Good afternoon. We will be talking in this and next lecture about heuristic search techniques. Um, Benson is here, and he's going to deliver later in the course some, I don't know, we haven't agreed fully one or two guest lectures about uh, parallelization uh, techniques and some hands-on uh, training on that as well. So he, wanted to see how the atmosphere is in the lecture, whether it's worth for him to come here in the first place. Um, so <laughs> on Thursday, there were, and Benson witnessed that there was only three people in here. <laughs> so we, we had to cancel the lecture then. If once uh, there was a lecture for trees. Sorry? If uh, once uh, there was a lecture for trees, three students. For three, uh, yeah. But I, I had been used uh, to the fact that there had been more people in here. So, uh, heuristic search comes in help when we know in advance that we cannot exhaustively enumerate every possible uh, combination that there is to be searched. So, if, if you ask for optimal real number in some range, then there is infinite number of real numbers. I make that the multidimensional search, of course, this is uh, only going to uh, make things worse. Of course, there are problems where you can easily solve analytically or, or somehow more structured, well-behaving problems. But often we need to have the uh, techniques uh, in our hand uh, that will apply some, some genetic algorithms, uh, simulated annealing, etc. So that's what we will be covering. Uh, the satisfiability problem is, is uh, long pool and formula there. There is a question, can you find the true-false assignment for every variable so that the formula becomes true? And then from the discrete mathematics, mathematical logics, you know that every Boolean formula is possible to uh, represent in a conjunctive normal form where every uh, term is disjunction in here or disjunctive normal form. So it's, it's possible to convert Boolean formulas, but it doesn't tell us what should be the value of A and B and respective, well, respectively, of course, not A we know, uh, once we fi fix A and B, then which assignment will give us true value? If there are more variables, in here four variables, this, uh, this is the entire search space. All false, all true, only one true, any two trues, uh, missing one true, etc. So you can uh, make the search space very structured, uh, say that this is the lattice, you just have to find one, one example which would make the entire formula true. But you don't know which one it is. And there is exponential number of these uh, uh, 2 to the power of n, 2 to the power of variables, different uh, locations. How do you solve that for millions of variables? If it's 2 to the power of million, that is the problem. And that's when, when we can start applying heuristics. You know that you, you cannot search the entire search space. You have to focus 
somewhere where there is better chance to find the true optimal or at least something that is not too far from the true optimal. So, so whenever we somehow, well I intuitively always think that there is uh, some kind of uh, we can do the, the single dimensional search space any point in here and then say that we want to optimize for a certain uh, objective function at any point you can uh, calculate the uh, function of x and you want to find that x that maximizes this function whatever the shape is in here that's what we want to find or Two-dimensional thinking, uh, this one you can somehow somehow put the points in the two dimensions. And then of course you can see that we can randomly look at any single value in here. And at least you can calculate what is the uh, function for this uh, position. Um, you can look at randomly many places. Some of them are better, some of them are worse. You can somehow start thinking, how, how do I find the, the true optimum? Well, you, you, you somehow can think, that, oh, let's work with the best candidates so far, and let's explore its neighborhood in here, and try to make it better locally. Uh, so basically, we are going to tackle the problems how to how to uh, how to focus on the correct uh, or, or somehow most promising uh, regions in this entire search space, so that we somehow could uh, not waste time on um, useless regions. I don't think that I have anywhere in my slides really the question about, well, this is, seems so simple that there is one objective function. In real life, I think often there is multi-objective, uh, uh, multiple objectives. We have to maximize cost and also to maximize somehow the health benefits or whatever. Right? Uh, when you have multiple objectives, then you can immediately start asking, okay, but how much weight do we put on one? and the other. The summary of the two objectives, you can say that the 50-50 or 80-20 or weighting of the two functions gives us a true function, right? Uh, if you have multiple objectives, then it's possible to somehow also think that uh, um, it's possible to somehow find the entire front that uh, maximizes one or the other. But this is a little bit too philosophical at the moment. So let's uh, start thinking how to, uh, what kind of techniques are there uh, for this search. And uh, let's start uh, applying them on concrete cases. Uh, the entire search space, when you start playing games like tic-tac-toe, and you ask what is the first move, okay, if you do the move in here, then what, what are the objective, what are the possible locations for the opponent? So in one case you have to maximize your chances to win, 
and your opponent will try to maximize their chances to win. And of course, you know that this one is failed to, to win you the game, right? This move, opening move, is bad. So you can enumerate the entire search space and try to always maximize your chances, minimize opponent's chances. If you, if you take this to the game of chess instead of the tic-tac-toe, then you know that you cannot enumerate everything possible. Tic-tac-toe is so simple, you have only three positions to start with if you take into account the symmetries. But in the chess, uh, the search space is much uh, bigger, and then to even try to figure out what is your winning move, you have to somehow assess how good the board is at any given state. But this you cannot know fully. So this is some human intelligence, how to assess how good the board state is. But in here, this is still the small problem. You can enumerate every possible uh, move and therefore explore every possible search uh, space point and calculate exactly uh, what are the winning moves. The moment that we start tackling these uh, uh, harder combinatorial search problems like travel and sales map problem, well, this is the fully connected graph. Uh, these are the distances between every city. And of course, this, now the search space, like one point in here, is one cycle through the, all the cities, uh, one path through all the cities, and then you can calculate exactly what is the distance between all the towns. The entire sum is the score, this objective function in here, uh, for this path, the score is 375. If you go A, B, C, E, D, A, A, B, C, E, D, A, then it's already 425. So in a way, you can think that every possible permutation is one point, and you can immediately assess what is the goodness of that uh, path. There is every possible permutation of the cities is the search space. Therefore, the search space is again uh, exponential because you can select n cities to start with, n minus 1 to go to next, n minus 3 to go to next, etc. Uh, we can start applying some heuristics in here. So, why would we, if we start from A, uh, why would we choose 300? It does not seem right. If there is something that is 100, 100 or 75, why don't we try to be greedy in the beginning? Just go to the closest one. Nearest neighbor, 75, 50, 75, mean there already, 50, and now we are forced to take 300. So being greedy, 75, 50, 75, 50, add 300, was a bad choice. But in the, in the beginning, it looked uh, promising. Um, sometimes being greedy works, sometimes it does not uh, necessarily. Quite often, being greedy gives you a good starting point, at least. Being greedy here, yes, 
the 550 might not be uh, optimal, but maybe it is good enough to at least start working with. Like putting your finger, okay, let's take this greedy solution in here. And then start seeing what can be improved. Uh, this is the same somehow picture that we put all the search states in two dimensions and now expressly show this function, objective function, like I draw it here on single dimension. Now, this uh, objective function uh, may look something like this. You can see the peaks that are maximal, at least locally. It's best out of all its neighborhood, right? It's the best place around the entire neighborhood. This is maximal uh, point, max another maximal point, and only one of those is a global maximum. Uh, there can be local minima, like in here there is a, a, a dip or valley, uh, bottom, bottom of the lake. So this is locally minimal. You fall in that trap, but you don't necessarily find this global minimum. Uh, the shape, of course, this is a uh, uh, very nicely behaving shape. Also, this one is, is nice shape, but the complexity starts to become more obvious that there are many peaks, many local maxima, uh, to hit somewhere close in here and try to figure out what is the global maximum takes some search uh, effort. So either we start from multiple places and then every time we try to locally improve or we somehow come up with uh, some meta heuristic that tries to uh, search uh, through these different regions and tries to find the optimum. Uh, so what are the problems? Of course, somehow crossing this kind of mountain range, keep going and finding that place or, or crossing the valleys. So how do you jump from one promising region to the other, maybe also a promising region? So in here you are stuck with uh, some local uh, maximum, or well in here you are stuck with a local maximum, and how do you cross into that mountain range. That essentially means that if you keep looking for neighborhood in here, you have to step down the hill, go through the valley, and start finding the uphills again. Yeah. And maybe that is a better uphill. Unfortunately, you can't uh, see the horizon. You can't sweep the horizon. You only can calculate the, the values uh, one point at a time. Um, add constraints. We have limited uh, resources, we have limited time, we have limited uh, uh, space, limited compute uh, resources. Even if we throw in parallel many computers, we have still limited uh, time. Um, we can have all kinds of additional constraints. Uh, something to say even like, not every point in here is valid. You have to only find those points that satisfy this and this and this additional criteria. And then even coming up with something that satisfies 
many criteria may be sometimes challenging. It's not that it's obvious that, uh, oh, let's change one thing and, and in, in my immediate neighborhood. Maybe that is invalid point in the search space. Uh, okay. I will come. Well, what happens? Uh, that is called the plateau. That is called the plateau. If if the optimal peak is entirely flat, then any point in there is okay, because it can't get better. Of course, it would help if you understood that there is a this flat any solution in that. Yeah. What about the uh, main lines? So flat lines. Is it the all every point is Is it what? Is every point the local maximum? No, no, because you can have the point that around it everything is already better, right? You can have a when it's flat for the points. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, if, if it's if it looks something like that, then of course the neighborhood in here is exactly the same function, yeah? and that makes things harder because you don't know which way to move. Uh, so basically, the production has been. We have the search spaces. We have uh, we have to find the best uh, point in the search space. Um, when you apply this to games, you can start thinking of well, this kind of uh, classifying of games. We can have deterministic games or something that involves chance. Take the dice, throw the dice, throw the coin. Yeah. Do you have the chance or is everything deterministic? Do you have all the perfect information? You see the opponent's state. In chess you see what is the state. In, uh, in bridge or poker there is chance involved and you don't see the other hand. You don't see. It, it, there is some hidden information, uh, imperfect information. If you have agreed on the rules like battleship, well, uh, I hit uh, J5. Yes, it's a hit to the ship, right? There is deterministic game. You have the game state, but you don't know the opponent's state, right? It's imperfect when you, you play against the opponent. You don't see that. Or play blindly tic-tac-toe. So, uh, perfect information on backgammon or monopoly. Monopoly, you see the state, what everybody has, but bloody hell, you have to throw dice. I was unlucky again, right? So, um, and all, all the time, you have to somehow maximize your, your moves. It's like, it's like finding the one single move that maxi maximizes your chances to win. If we can express function of objective function as what are my chances to win, then you try to make the move that maximizes your chances to win. Uh, so this is for the games. This is for from the mathematics a G two function that is complicated looking function sum of uh, cosinus to the power of four times minus two times uh, multiplication. Uh, so this formula in here, there are additional constraints. The, the product of all x's have to be larger than 0 0.75. The sum has been less than 7.5 times n. 
x will be between 0 and 10, all the x's uh, and the, the i is somewhere between 1 and n. So function, addition constraints, and the objective function landscape looks something like this. The problem is that, uh, uh, at least a couple of years ago, the statement was that nobody knows the global optimum for this function that is lies somewhere close to origin. Somewhere close to uh, between 0 and 1, the order values, uh, some of those maximizes the function, but nobody knows. So even sometimes with the mathematics, it may be that you can't solve it analytically, uh, you can't necessarily solve it theoretically. Uh, nobody knows whether we have the optimal or not. Some problems are better behaving, and for that uh, you can take the applied mathematics, optimi numeric optimization methods, and for example, apply the Newton's method. Uh, um, if the goal is to find the x uh, such that the function of x would be zero, well, you can always re reverse somehow say that you want uh, uh, difference to zero to be uh, minimal. Zero minus zero is minimal, so minimize this kind of function. Um, so you start from some point in here. I have this illustration. This is the function. You start from any point. You know the differential. And this gives you the next estimate. Maybe with this slope, it would cross in there. With this slope, it would cross in there. Now you get here. You have the slope. Maybe it will cross in there. And now you have found, with relatively few steps, one, two, three, And four, you have already found the actual answer. Uh, if you know the differential in here, uh, when you change x only a little bit, smaller delta, but is the slope, then you can hit uh, the zero in here with a few steps. Newton's method. Um, this works when the function behaves relatively smoothly, can be, you can differentiate, etc. Okay? So then you can apply something like that. You can apply this on, on two dimensions. This is the mountain peak. Uh, somehow you can say that you try to increase locally, move to the highest peak by just going the steepest hill up. The steepest uphill uh, will take you to the uh, top. So you can always uh, locally somehow uh, do the uh, differential, uh, calculate the differential in here, which, which slope, which direction maximizes the most the function, objective function. And that, if the function behaves nicely, that will take you to the optimal point relatively quickly. Yeah. So um, find the uphill and just follow that. So, uh, we have briefly mentioned greedy. We will come back to this where, when this works nicely. We have previously studied A star. Uh, you can start applying different kind of randomization techniques. 
local search hill climbing, uh, beam search, not just one path, but multiple. And then we move to these other heuristics, uh, simulated annealing, genetic algorithm, differential evolution, particle swarm optimization, ant colony optimization, and trust me, there are many more biology-inspired techniques. So these are heuristics. You have to come up with some parameters, some ideas, some, some, some thinking about your problem. Uh, these are meta-heuristics that can be applied in different contexts. And uh, sometimes it's said that it's almost like an art. You have to, you have, to have some experience to say uh, how long you let some calculations to run, how, how fast you should uh, uh, allow your genetics to work, etc. What are your population sizes, etc. But we start from here. Uh, okay, this uh, just shows different search techniques. Calculus-based Newton method is in here. These are somehow direct methods. Um, enumerative techniques, we consider dynamic programming. If the work, if the problem behaves nicely, then you can apply dynamic programming. But in here we are more in these random search techniques. Try to randomly find the best uh, paths, and then we we also work down evolutionary uh, path. You can see in here simulated annealing and generic, generically evolutionary strategies. Okay, so this has been all introduction. We are here and somehow let's explore the greediness. Um, greedy locally means that you, you start from somewhere and you try to make the best choice in front of you immediately. If you don't have too much time, then it, that is a very good strategy. Uh, and we will look at set cover problem, for which a greedy set cover solution actually will, will give us the uh, solution that is, if we think the uh, optimal solution, then the greedy one is only maximally logarithmic uh, to the optimal. So take the optimal, multiply with the logarithm of the n, the problem size. In fact, it's the set, uh, the largest set size, and that's the solution. So if we do greedy, we will be not far from the optimal. Logarithm is slow growing, so logarithm is a small constant. We will not be too far from the true optimal. What is the set cover? Set cover is that there, is, there are points. And there are many sets that cover the, uh, that are subsets of the points, right? In here there is uh, 12 points and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 sets. The question is, what is the minimal number of sets that cover all the points? What is the smallest number of sets that covers all the points? What is the smallest number of students that jointly attend at least all the courses of the uh, faculty? Right. The smallest number of students, each one attending multiple courses, many attend the same thing. The smallest number of students that jointly attend this, uh, all, the, all the courses of the um, faculty. Uh, so, how would you solve this? How, how would you start? 
Well, I convince you that being greedy is good. How, uh, how, what is your greedy choice to start with? Yeah, find the largest set to start with. That covers the most points in one go. Yeah, one set, largest number of points. Which is? S1. S1 in here. Okay, and now the tough one. What is the next greedy choice? S4. And can you justify? Next so 6 and 5, or how do you think? The largest was 6, and the next is 5. Uh, this example is may let you think that this is a good strategy, but in fact what we should be caring about is, once we cover all these points, we should get rid of them in our mind, and just subtract them from the task. And then look what is behind, what, what, has, what has been left behind. And then, then do the greedy choice. S4 covers 3, S5 2, uh, 2 2. Indeed, S4 is a good choice because it covers 3. But because it covers 3, not 5. Yeah? And then we subtract these 3. What is our next choice? Sir? There is, there is, after that, there is exactly one that covers two, because S3 and S6 would cover only one new point. So S1, S4, S5, and then either S1, S3 or S6, because only those cover this last remaining point. So the greedy algorithm is. Uh, uh, you start with the universe entire, as long as all the points become, uh, this universe becomes uh, empty set, select, uh, find the set out of the remaining ones that maximizes the it, it intersection between this set and the remaining universe. Then we select S, subtract S from the universe, and add uh, S to the cover. So we build cover one by one, and subtract these and just find the one that is maximizing the number, next number of points. Very simple algorithm, right? By the way, of course, you can add weights. You can add, say that, uh, oh, but to get that expert, we have to pay too much, right? So try to minimize the weight of every, of the entire, well, for every set, you can assign some weight, and then you can say, what is a weighted minimal set cover? And for that weighted minimal set cover, you can apply exactly the same algorithm uh, by minimizing the unit price per element. In here, the unit price is well, we have just this, all the sets are equal, cost the same unit, divided the size, we have the unit price. But this uh, set cost could be anything. Uh, so, this is a very uh, simple uh, algorithm. And luckily enough, uh, the, the raw fact, fact, factor in here, by how much the greedy set cover will be worse than the optimal, 
uh, is limited by harmonic number of the size of the largest set. Harmonic number of the size of the largest set is, harmonic number is this, 1 plus 1 over 2, 1 over 3, until 1 over n, and this grows the same speed as logarithm, and therefore, uh, if the largest set is 40, then logarithm of, of 40 is uh, times the greedy, times the optimal, uh, we know that our greedy will be better than this logarithm of 40 times the best. Uh, and this logarithmic factor is, is a very good approximation. And somehow the thinking is that if we eventually need to take in the largest set anyway, sorry, the, you take in the largest set to start with, but if, if we eventually are forced to take in more and more sets, having the large intersection to previous uh, partial solutions, that's where we lose. Yeah? And uh, somehow you can then argue that how much you lose at most with every choice. With every set, new set covered, uh, new, new set selected, we cover more elements, so we increase our solution, we get rid of every element, and they are going to lose. Uh, we pay for the greedy choices by not more than this logarithmic factor. Uh, and the same applies for this, uh, for this weighted set coverage. Um, that means that uh, the optimal solution to find with is any permutation or any uh, subset of uh, sets that covers all the uh, points and find the smallest one. And that is a combinatorially hard problem, but this greedy choice actually works quite, uh, quite well and works very fast. That is the beauty of the greedy. Okay, uh, again, we are standing somewhere. We can look at the local neighborhood. And what I just now said is that let's take the greedy choice. The, the best choice in which direction the function gets improved by the most. So you know which ladder to pick from here. Which steps. Uh, being local in here, you don't know where you will end up taking different paths. Um, so, so the beauty of this is that you want to reach the end point, right? You, you want to reach the mountain peak, uh, and it does not matter how did you get there. Did you take the hard route or the easier route, right? You just have to find it. And uh, in our case, computation and the fast way to find it is, is desirable. Uh, in this case, um, we, we, say, we may say that one point is one complete solution. We have one complete uh, um, path through all the cities. And when we move, to the, its neighborhood, maybe we have swapped only two cities on, on our way. It is still a full solution, but with a minor twist. Uh, so, this is like the state space is 
all the time we look at the complete configurations and just uh, locally try to improve the, the solution locally. Uh, this is the uh, N-Queens type of problem. You have the uh, chessboard and the N-Queens and the idea is to somehow find a way how no single queen can attack, attack directly the others. This is one way to put four queens on the board. Of course, they are under attack from each other. So local search, for example, would take move one out of the uh, danger zone, like moving just one, and now there is uh, now move out this one, for example, in this location. So they don't attack each other, they don't get attacked there. But you can see how the next move is already impossible. You can't... Can, can you put this one there? It seems that you can. It, it may get stuck, well you can't move this one, I think. This is under attack, these are under attack, so you can't move uh, this one anywhere. But this one you still can. So this is like you, you make a move, you look at the neighborhood, if it makes things better, you make the move. But of course the problem is that it may get stuck with the local, uh, local uh, in the local optimum. There can be other problems if you apply such technique. Uh, let's just make something that is locally optimal. And maybe you are forced to come back to the origin. If this search is very deterministic, you may get stuck in this loop forever. Uh, so the cycles in the search space in general uh, can cause problems. And to avoid the cycles, either you keep track where you have been, uh, somehow memorize the previous states and avoid these cycles, or apply some weaker heuristics that somehow um, force you not to make the same changes in the search <coughs> and force you to move uh, move away. Uh, in the case of this uh, satisfiability problem where you have zeros and ones, your neighborhood is you flip one coin, one, one, one variable, right? You flip one variable. And the taboo, the memorized would be saying that I keep all my bit vectors where I have been, I memorize all of them. While the taboo would say that, okay, I just keep track which bits I have flipped previously. And with the next, within the next uh, 50 moves, I'm not going to flip it back. Right? Because you, you can only flip it back. So I did my choice, I stick to that for next 50 moves. And if later needed, I'll flip it back. So taboo is very simple. You just put uh, taboo on something you did, and you are not going to do it again immediately. But it still doesn't say how to transfer values with bad choices. So you can look at the neighborhood. You may be attracted all the time to the same to the same hill, right? Until 
how to find a, another peak in here if you start climbing that way would take you to the goal. Uh, many of these programs, if you think, are kind of like graph search programs. Yeah. You have the underlying search space. I draw the points, its neighborhood. It's like a graph, right? In the large graph, huge graph, you start from one node, and you need to find a path that takes you to the optimum. Um, and of course, you can say that exhaustive uh, techniques would apply breadth-first search or depth-first search exhaustively, but you know in advance that you, you can't do everything uh, um, exhaustively. Um, we have learned how you can do extend the breadth-first search, depth-first search into kind of random search. Just let's uh, keep exploring the territories where we have not been. Or apply heuristics like the best first, right? Dijkstra algorithm. All this extend the closest node to the next one, right? Uh, Dijkstra, for Dijkstra, you know the path from this, from Tartu to, to the uh, closest uh, uh, town, and you expand, expand from there outway, outwards, right? But the the A star algorithm modifies this Dijkstra algorithm by saying that I, my target is not to minimize the local path, but I want to move there, right? I, I know that what is the distance there, but I want to go there. Because I know the geographic coordinate of the other town. So in that case, well, how, what is the best is the distance so far plus the estimate to the endpoint there, right? That is our heuristic. So, so far distance plus the estimate to the endpoint. Now the estimate has to be somehow behaving correctly. The estimate should not, uh, should not overestimate. Uh, because if you overestimate, you say that, oh, if you take this path, there is still too much to go, you don't explore that. You want estimate to be optimistic so that Yes, I explore the optimistic uh, variance. Otherwise, I get some, some shortest path through some other place which is not optimal. Um, so this is this uh, A star algorithm. So if from A we want to go to B, you start exploring a neighborhood, C and D. You select C because 20 plus estimate less than 10 is there, or well, estimate is that you can't get better than 10 units. 20 plus 10 is estimate is 30. In here you have 15 plus, you can't get better than 25. 15 plus 25 would be 40. And of, of course you take this one that may give you 30, right? And then it may turn out that taking that choice was bad because then you had to go there and now you have already 20 plus 20 plus 10. Uh, so that is 40, but in here I had, uh, sorry, 50, and now I had uh, 40, so therefore I'm going to explore from this node first and get the solution. So th this is a very simple graph search techniques where we plug in this heuristic, how much might be left to the end point. 
And this we, if we can estimate that, if we can estimate that. We want this function to be uh, optimistic or admissible so that we never overestimate. It has to be always at least this or more. Um, and if, if this satisfies uh, these problems, then um, if we have admissible heuristic, then doing this graph tree search will give us the optimal uh, algorithm. And it can, it can be shown if which node to explore, if, if these are functions, uh, what is the, how much is left, somehow to prove that you would never expand this node that gives you suboptimal choice, you will always pick the correct optimal path for extension, for extension using this A star algorithm. Um, but I'm going to show some visualizations. So this is from here, go to the target, there is uh, something blocking the way of the robot or the search algorithm, and now it tries Okay, my calendar starts to give me the notifications again. Multiple times. I have the trouble that I keep open multiple tabs. Until it finds that it does not make sense to go from that side because you spent too much to go there and to the target. Uh, and instead, once you go past this, this side, you may have better runway to the end target. So to find the optimal shortest path to, the, uh, to this location. So that uh, you don't explore every possible path, but somehow are able to fix, uh, find them. I don't think that this illustration is very, very good. And I'm sure that you can make up better visualizations for this A-star algorithm. Who has not played this 15 game? Who has played? Everybody. Yeah? So how do you write the algorithm that finds the shortest uh, solution to the 15 game? You get the board. What is the shortest? Of course, you know that the, the generic solution that you you first put the one to the correct place, and then you put two, and then three, and then four. But what is the shortest path to the correct um, end state? You can consider this as the, the current state, and you can move well, this is the empty slot, therefore you can fill it in by any of the four neighbors, right? So these are the neighboring states. These are the moves that you can make. And, and now you have to know which one was the best move to give you the shortest path to the correct state. If you plug in the A star heuristic, you make one move and you have to estimate what is the distance to the, to the uh, final state. You make one move from there. So is there one of the moves that uh, would give you the 
better chance to get to the final end state uh, quicker. Or what would be the estimate how much is still uh, to be correct? One estimate is to count how many uh, squares is misplaced, because you have, at least have to move them at least once, right? Just how many are misplaced. If you can get one to the correct state, that's good, right? And you don't overestimate, because the actual number of moves will be larger. This is kind of stupid, uh, because if something is, if your one is misplaced there, then you don't just want to count that one is misplaced. You can say how, how far it is from the target. One, two, three. At least three moves to get one to the correct place. Yeah. So the sum of all the moves, uh, the length of all the paths, would be better estimated. Um, okay, in this case, uh, do you see which direction to move? So ahead, say, speak up. To the rightmost. Uh, this one. A. No. This one. This one. Because. Why? Uh, other are other states are moving uh, those uh, slots in the cursor position. How come? When I first made the slide, it turned out purely accidentally because it's you, you take the PowerPoint and you start putting it in there, and then by oh, no. purely mistakenly, I, 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 I managed to make the situation where 7, 12, 15, and 10 are all in the correct place. Whatever you do, you have to move it, one of them out of the correct place. Right? So whatever you do, you, you, you seemingly go to the wrong direction. In this case, but but this anyway, in the graph search, you, you can start exploring uh, any of the directions. Now, probably you can't tell immediately which one has got better, and then later you start applying the heuristic again. Uh, somehow see what you can uh, what you can do. I have been there already. You don't go back there. Right? You ex you explore the search space. You, you explore the graph. And ultimately, you find the path that takes you to, to the final uh, situation and gives you the shortest uh, uh, path. Uh, the search space, however, is pretty large because you can get uh, not every permutation. Because you know, if you if you take two out and swap, then you can't solve it anymore, right? It's not every permutation that is even the valid space, but you can think of this as, I think it's just uh, two uh, components in the large graph. 
the one in the correct one uh, you can get to the final solution in the other one you can't um, but that means that you have any possible order any permutation of uh, 16 elements uh, divided by 2 and this is already pretty large search space um, so this this graph is in here like like exploring the graph you have four children and making the right choice trying to make the right choice at all the, uh, at every time uh, okay um, so that was about a star heuristic which really simply extends the graph search in the search space if you know the estimate of the end state Um, let's come back to the traveling salesman problem. We can apply this search to optimization, find the optimal solution, or you can formulate this uh, combinatorial search problem sometimes in kind of decision variant, and uh, the decision variant would be okay. Just tell me, uh, is there some path through all the towns with a total length less than 5,000 kilometers. Yes or no answer. Uh, yes or no answer doesn't necessarily tell you the exact solution, but at least it says, is it possible or not? Or if you want to have sort of proof, then it's sufficient to just show one of these instances that is shorter than 5,000 kilometers. So sometimes uh, uh, you, you can somehow think that these are kind of complementary problems, a little bit complementary. Uh, find me the optimal or tell me is there something that is better. If you're equipped with a subroutine that tells you yes, no answers and possibly shows you the, uh, the, the proof, then you can apply binary search. Is it possible that some part is less than 5,000 kilometers? Yes. Okay. Is it possible that it's less than 2,500? No. And then you can put in between 3,700 whatever, the 50, right? And you can do the binary search over the, over the decision variant and then at least get the um, pretty quickly the correct optimal uh, ballpark. Uh, traveling salesman problem instance between the 532 uh, cities in the United States. This shows the optimal path in here. Benson, do you know how to verify that this is optimal? <laughs> I don't actually, but, but people have been working on these problems long enough and, and this for this problem state, this is the optimal. Take my word for that. Right? You can see how, how somehow complicated it is. Look, look at these towns in here. You go through Miami in here, and then much longer later you come back in here. So these are very close to each other, right? but they are very far on the path. Um, so being close does not mean that uh, it's, they are close on the path. 
if you would put this one to this path, both would be longer than hops from there. So it's better placed on that path rather than in here. Uh, uh, okay, so well, we have been running some competitions um, between the students on this uh, um, path of uh, shortest path optimization, and um, I have some examples from there. But we will come back to this uh, uh, problem later, because at least you can start with some nearest neighborhood method and then see what happens, and then ultimately it has to be proved to the to the correct status. So um, back to the square one, we can do local search neighborhood. What happens if I change the order? In here, this is my neighborhood of my current path. Um, we can apply uh, randomness versus being very deterministic. You can parallelize. We have lots of computers. Just let them to do their work. Or you can run it in sequentially on a single machine. Um, uh, I think it sort of repeats the same things. Um, Neighborhoods, local search, neighborhoods, we can sort of look at the partial solutions. Complete solution is one path and then swap the cities. Partial solution would be, uh, let's start moving from somewhere, like set cover, start adding to the, to the sets so that we don't have the global solution at hand, but we partially move towards the global um, end. So, if you try to apply some local search, for example, um, for example, this think of this satisfiability problem. You have n variables that, that you ask what true/false placement of the variables will give you the best answer. Um, you can say that. Locally, I take the variables that occur the most in the formula as the first ones to play with. Because if one variable occurs in many uh, disjunctions, you can make many disjunctions true in one go, like be a little bit greedy immediately. So you can uh, order the variables in some order of uh, preference, and then you can say that Okay, and now we are going to do the search over these variables in this order, right? Zero, one, local search three in here. And in this local search three, uh, so basically, you take the most frequent variable x, i, and then of course you have uh, false and true Choices, you take the one that maximizes the largest number of uh, clauses in the formula and, and then apply the next variable. And if you find out that from this subtree you can't solve the formula, then you backtrack and you do, do the search on this left subtree. So, again, the simple tree search algorithm, just in the specific order. Go through the variables. 
Uh, applying back, coming back to travel in sales, no problem. Nearest neighbor heuristic is this one on the same city state. So you start, I don't know what is the starting point in here, but you start somewhere and you start going the, the path, always look at the nearest unvisited city, and then you sometimes may, may find that yourself, you are cornered in there, and then you have to make a long jump in there. Right? So many of the paths may be quite okay, relatively okay, but sometimes you have cornered yourself and then you have to make the long jumps. And that's what makes this uh, uh, nearest neighbor method heuristic uh, sometimes bad, right? Clearly you could somehow move, get the better solution if you take this as the starting point and merge these on this path and get rid of these long paths in there, right? You can get uh, uh, approximation of the nearest, uh, nearest uh, of the traveling salesman problem by applying first uh, the minimum spanning tree on the graph. You remember the minimum spanning tree algorithm. Uh, the shortest tree that covers all the nodes. And now you just start following one, two, three, this path, this path. You need to move down there, 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 there. So this nearest neighbor path well, this, is, uh, this was the nearest neighbor, but this is minimum spanning tree, and you follow the minimum spanning tree to get the first approximation. So this already uh, is a relatively uh, good heuristic. Um, that was a couple of years ago. Polina on the course, um, we throw in, I think it was... Uh, how many points? How many dots? I think it was thousand dots. Can it be? This is. Uh, it could be a thousand dots. Randomly placed. So this is uh, nearest neighbor. Well, she started with the nearest neighbor and got twenty-seven thousand seven hundred sixty-six point. Distances, right? This is this is each one that has x y coordinate, and you can apply that Euclidean distance to get the distance for, between every every town, and then improving it a little bit here and there. So you, you see the drop from twenty seven thousand to twenty seven point eight to twenty seven point four five thousand, and now look how the different uh, methods uh, have trying to improve uh, the solutions. Um, here you can clearly see that this is not optimal, right? And then came in Yaksar, 24,839. Can you improve this?
I think in here, for example, these are long and long, shorter and shorter, so if you get rid of these two and shortcut in here and shortcut in there, that might be already a better solution. For example, locally. There are some locations where you can see that locally you may be able to improve some solutions. Uh, so applying different heuristics, some, some people apply it uh, simulated and even some, uh, some genetic algorithms, some later uh, tried the particle swarm optimization, no, the, sorry, the ant colony optimization. So let, let's have a look. Um, from 24.83, 23.47. And you can see which places have changed. Is this optimal? I don't know. Um, then uh, uh, Oleg did this one, and uh, that did not please Jak, uh, uh, so he got better. Here are, you can see some of the changes that have made the solution better. Um, So, uh, if this is one complete solution, how do we get, uh, get another one and ask, would the other one be better or worse? You can at least try to apply a single change. Why do we go in this order? Why don't we go why don't we swap two cities, right? Um, why don't we swap one path, kind of uh, neighborhood? Um, so uh, you can start with some greedy, but then start opt optimizing. Um, in optimizing, uh, we are to the problem like, uh, can we find the, the mountains, like in here, or how do we transfer valleys? Um, hill climbing is kind of, uh, of course, quite obvious. Uh, we have our objective function. We uh, get one random point, um, like in here, and then look at the neighborhood, and of course take the steepest uh, um, uphill until we reach uh, the top, so that around this top point everything else is weaker. Right? So we have reached a local maximum. If you have a good starting point, then that may, uh, and the uh, function behaves quite nicely around in here, doesn't jump widely, then that takes you to the global, uh, to the local maximum. So you start from somewhere, uh, just look at the next uh, highest valued uh, neighbor, and if the neighborhood is, gives a better value, then um, then move there, otherwise uh, finish. But it, we may well find the local optimum, and then of course sometimes it's possible that our objective function somehow may give us the wrong direction. It may seem to go worse, while it, it will improve later. Uh, you can do, well you can do many times, 
and you should do many times, randomly initialize. Um, and then the other randomization is what would happen if we occasionally tolerate bad choices? We can't expect that we always get better and better and better. Occasionally we need to tolerate bad moves. And this kind of randomization that occasionally uh, tolerates bad moves is giving us, at the end, performance and robustness. So we can do blind guessing, just randomly search, or do this random walk. A random result, uh, hill climbing, we saw this one solution, and then you move, start from the other place, you get another hilltop. If you randomly start from enough many places, then you can keep track of the current optimal points and uh, at the end just return uh, the maximal uh, that you have found. Um, I don't know this army mistake correction, so may, maybe you get uh, stuck and then make 100 st steps in random direction in some new direction. Is this army mistake? Uh, but uh, anyway, you, you at least escape from the current local optimum. Uh, this answers to your original questions, just how these uh, plateaus are defined. Uh, the plateaus can be the flat local maxima, it could be on the shoulder, uh, you don't need know exactly, will you get there? Local maxima, yes, global maximum, that's what we would like to get. So, the general search techniques for this iteration is that you start from somewhere, you start from one point, and then you start exploring uh, the, you, you have the loop, you keep doing the stuff, uh, just can generate some new solutions, select some of those, um, maybe you change some parameters, um, update parameters, but keep searching, keep searching uh, in the neighborhood, find the better solutions, repeat, uh, just keep randomly searching. Right? The techniques, uh, the original techniques simulated annealing, uh, taboo search I sort of tried to indicate already, or genetic algorithms. So, uh, Simulated annealing is, is the topic that we are going to uh, look at. It comes from, the basic idea comes from physics. When you take the metal or glass, melted glass, melted metal, very high temperature. Molecules are going wild, changing, right? It's very high temperature, lots of energy, it's suboptimal space. When you start cooling down the temperature, if you do that slowly enough, the molecules get slowed down and find their stable positions. If you cool down slowly, your glass will end up without tensions in the glass. If you, do, if you take the glass, throw it in the bucket of water, cool down immediately, then it will be very uh, shattering. It, it will be weak. There are some physicists, I think, in here. Don't you study physics? You didn't? Nobody studied physics? But this is what happened, right? You have to cool down slowly. 
to get rid of all these different tensions in the material. And this is the basic, uh, basic idea. Um, the, I think around the time when I heard about this, uh, this uh, uh, algorithm in mid-90s or so, there was, I had read about, the, about the, back then, the largest telescope, which had the lens, the glass, lens of like four meters diameter, probably some thickness like that. It's a right? huge lens that had to be absolutely precise in the, in, the, in the surface. And when you melt the glass, you have something like a couple of thousand degrees. And then you need to cool it down slowly by not more than one or two degrees per day. Meaning that the entire cooling down process lasted several years. If you, if you start from 2,000 degrees and you, you are not allowed to cool it down sooner than a couple of degrees per day, then it takes a lot, lot of time. But it will, it will cool down and, and, uh, and get to the optimal state so that the the crystals, uh, well, basically the, the structure will be optimal. So the um, uh, analogy is the same. Uh, we start from some, uh, in the hot temperature, we start from some uh, point in the search space. Um, when the temperature is very high, then we can look at the neighborhood. And uh, of course, when the, better, when the neighborhood gives a better solution, then we just accept it. Um, but if the neighborhood is, gives a worse solution, then we apply some probability. Do we accept it or not? If the temperature is high, then there is high probability that we accept that change. But the probability of accepting bad choices will go down with the time. We lower the temperature, and therefore the probability of accepting bad choices. So that is the entire procedure. We keep, uh, we, we start walking in this neighborhood. If it gets better, like hill climbing, well, improving locally, we get up there. But occasionally our neighborhood gives worse situation. And then we decide, do we take that or not? Um, this is the change in the temperature. Uh, temperature gets, uh, um, the probability of accepting the changes when the temperature is high is uh, high. When this is getting smaller, then uh, this probability goes down. So basically, the function is like that. When temperature is 10,000 degrees, then probability of accepting bad choices is 1. And we start moving the temperature down. If it's in here like uh, uh, 20 degrees, then it's 50-50% chance that if, if our new choice is worse than the previous one, do we accept it or not? And when the temperature keeps dropping, uh, like in here, moves to absolute zero, then we don't uh, take bad choices ever. Yeah. That, is the, that is the basic idea. That when temperatures are high, we accept bad choices, 
we hope to cross the valleys, uh, but whenever we see it uphill, we move uphill. If we go the right direction, then we make the decision, do we go there or not? So, this is the traveling salesman problem task from 1983, illustrating this traveling salesman problem, and over the time, how the solution gets better and better, and how this is defined is that you just swap the two cities on the path. Does that improve the path length or not? If it improves your swap, you keep it. You do another swap, you make, like in here you have a loop. If, if you did it the other way, you get rid of the loop, it improves, we uh, accept it immediately. But in some other place, if you, if you introduce something that is worse, then you may decide to keep it or not. And this uh, solved the regional, uh, this traveling salesman problem to uh, some satisfaction so that the heuristic uh, could be applied. The code is uh, simple, of course, you just infinitely do. You have some temperature schedule. You, with a certain uh, schedule, you have the temperature cooling down. Once the temperature goes to zero, then you return the current state. Uh, otherwise, you just get a random uh, neighborhood, calculate the delta uh, by how much worse it uh, will make, and how if, if you make it too much worse, then you lower the probability of accepting that. Um, but with the higher temperature, you're uh, willing to take these worsening steps. Um, well, you accept the improving steps, and with the worsening steps, you apply some parameter to tell uh, to accept it or not. The same algorithm, different formulation. Um, so the how large is the search space? You have the tour of cities through every town. And we apply these local changes. We, we swap two cities, for example. In this way, you can say that whatever you start from, whatever, whatever path you start from, you can always, with a single swap, you can always put one city to the correct place. Right? So that means that with this swapping the cities, you just need n swaps from any state the maximal end states, end swaps will take you to the ultimate correct situation. So the, the correct solution is always not more than n steps away. Uh, that means the diameter of this search graph actually is relatively small. The graph is huge, has many nodes, but the diameter of the graph is not very large. It is linear by the problem size. And that's why you can apply these changes uh, in a row and hope to get to the uh, good end solution. The cool thing about this uh, simulated annealing was that, like in the physics, somehow you argue that if you start really high temperatures, if you cool down really slowly, you get rid of all the 
tensions in the materials. In here, this random procedure was proved to give you the optimal solutions if you allow this process to work long enough. But the long enough could be something that we never will have enough time to actually follow the theoretical uh, limits. But at least it's good that it has theoretical limits. If you allow this to do uh, this work long enough, then you will get to the optimum ultimate. Uh, I uh, googled uh, yesterday for videos of uh, this kind of simulated annealing uh, procedures. Um, did not find anything spectacular, but somehow you can see this, uh, the surface in here, the true optimum uh, in the bottom in there, but how the, how the search space sort of generates randomly, um, explores points until it gets somehow fixated into this uh, optimal solution at the bottom of the valley. Um, if you see surface like this smooth, and nice, of course, uh, there you can Im immediately think that there must be better methods to get you directly there. But uh, but at least you can uh, you can uh, um, have a look. Maybe I can show the yeah. And it's as I said, it it was historically it was really important uh, kind of uh, algorithm. It's very easy to implement. Just infinite loop uh, and has these properties that, uh, that, you, that it converges if you uh, cool down uh, slow enough. Uh, okay, I will, yeah, I will, next time I will, we will move to the uh, genetic algorithms and uh, see some cool videos in there. But I will see if, uh, if this can be shown.